You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I had the mute button on, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Packernet Podcast. I was wondering why I couldn't hear myself in my own ears. It's like, I gotta scream louder. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. I am obviously ready to rock and roll. I apologize for yesterday. Um, uh, yeah, yesterday's show. As you heard last night on uh, Packernet After Dark, two nights ago, whatever, I was feeling super tired, felt like I was going to fall asleep. Well, that just kept getting worse. And um, next thing you know, I'm laying on the couch. I can't get up. So it uh, seemed like a kind of a one-day thing. I'm still feeling a little bit off, but feeling a little bit better today. Lots and lots of stuff to cover. Um, again, I'm going to do my best to try to make this a coherent and cohesive thing. But um, with the combine going, you got news and notes going, you got all kinds of goodies. Um, so let's just start off with some general news and notes, I suppose. First of all, well, let's start with this. We'll get this out of the way. Um, the We talked two days ago, I guess, about the report cards and, and different things like that and how that kind of probably plays into where players go and all that kind of stuff. Well, there was a uh, report that came out as a result of that survey that said the Jaguars last year had a rat infestation. Players reported that for three to four weeks this past season, there was a rat infestation in the locker room and laundry hampers. I don't know, man. Every once in a while, you kind of get illuminated to something that changes your entire perception on everything, and this is one of those things. I always just assume, you know, these are professional organizations, pristine. That's crazy to me. You got rats running around the locker room and in your laundry? That sounds dangerous. So there's that. Um, In other news, the founder of the Carolina Panthers has passed away. Jerry Richardson died at the age of 86. He uh, brought the Panthers into the NFL in 1995. He unfortunately was one of the uh, seemingly many people now that has been embroiled in scandals and whatnot. But anyways, he ended up uh, selling the team in 2017 and has passed away. Speaking of the Carolina Panthers, and this is where stuff gets super weird, just like everything else surrounding Aaron Rodgers. Nothing makes sense. Nothing is cohesive. Every message is a little bit different. Uh, Report here, surprise NFC team inquired about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers may be headed for a divorce with the Green Bay Packers, and a new team is said to be keeping tabs on the star quarterback. ESPN's Adam Schefter said on NFL Live Thursday that the Carolina Panthers have reached out to the Packers about a potential trade for Rodgers. Now, I've seen some people on social media saying, well, he's not going there because the Packers already said they wouldn't send him to an NFC team. No, they didn't. The Packers never said that they wouldn't send him to a team that's in the NFC. Adam Schefter was on a show, and he speculated that he didn't think that they would do that. He never said he had inside information saying that the Packers would not send him to an NFC team. That has never been reported ever. Now, this gets further complicated because of this little segment here by Brandon Marshall. Now, I I have no reason to believe Brandon Marshall has any reason to know anything whatsoever. He's the same guy that recently said congratulations on a great career, essentially announcing Rodgers is going to retire. 
and then comes out with this. What I know for sure is that there's at least four NFL teams that want in on Aaron Rodgers. How do I know that? Because they all called me this morning asking me, Brandon, please tell me it isn't true. Tell me it isn't It isn't so. I said, no, I, I got to listen to what I'm saying. the front saying. office has called you? General managers. Oh, wow. Director of personnel, player wow. personnel. Yo, 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 what, what, you, what's going on? What I know. So if you didn't know, again, Brandon Marshall had said some really weird thing about congratulations on a great career to Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't watch his show. I haven't listened to anything he said. He apparently is making it. He's saying here that, no, that's not what I was saying. You weren't really paying attention, which is fair because I have no idea what he's actually said. Didn't care enough to actually look at it because I figured it was nonsense. But the point is, he is either completely flat out bold face lying because this is unbelievably specific. He is making a direct claim that when he came out and said that, said something that many people believed had to do with Rogers retiring, he got four phone calls from GMs and directors of player personnel, four different teams, saying essentially, tell me this isn't true. I, want, I need to know what's going on. Meaning there's at least some level of interest there. Now, who are the teams that we're aware of? Apparently, we know the Jets for sure, and we're going to get into that in a second. Carolina has apparently popped up. The Raiders are essentially out of the running. The Tennessee Titans have said that they're sticking with Tannehill. Who could it be? I mean, if, if, if it's a team that's really high up here, you would assume their plan is to draft somebody. Houston, and probably whoever's planning on trading with the Bears if anybody actually ends up doing that. I can't see Seattle doing it, even though there is some rumors now that they're still looking at quarterback, despite the fact that they're sticking with Geno, just because, you know, whatever. But if anything, you grab a young quarterback and then stick with Geno, and you have sort of that duo going on. Grab an Anthony Richardson or something. Some question about whether he could sneak into the top five. There's a spot right there that he could sneak into the top five. Otherwise, they have pick 20. They could maybe try to move up and get him whatever. I don't know. Raiders are a no. Falcons don't make a ton of sense because they don't really have a football team, although neither does Carolina, and apparently they're making phone calls. Philadelphia is a no. Tennessee is, I believe, a no. Houston, again, already has a quarterback. The Jets, we know, are in. Patriots, I'm pretty sure, are out. Word is they're sticking with Mac Jones. Washington? But why? Pittsburgh, no. Detroit, no. Tampa, I don't think they have any money. They're flat broke because of Tom Brady. Seattle, we've already said no. Miami's pick was forfeited, but I mean, it could still be Miami interested, but I doubt it. Chargers are a no. Baltimore's maybe a team that would be interested if they can't get it figured out with Lamar, which I just saw that, uh, where did I just see that five seconds ago? No idea if this is real or fake, but um, deal between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens is still not close, says Jacina Anderson. Point is, I, I, I don't know who these four teams would be. Here's why it gets somewhat complicated. And, and it, it's not even so much complicated, it's just everybody's hearing and saying different things. It was a report just recently came out by Zach Rosenblatt uh, from The Athletic. Uh, what I'm hearing about the Jets' pursuit of Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. The very first thing that is said here is that the Jets are willing to wait out Rodgers. Nobody really knows what Rodgers is thinking about his future, even after he spoke about it on his podcast this week, his first public comments. Since going on a four-day darkness retreat, he didn't sound like someone who planned to retire, pushing back on that idea that his skills are declining. So first thing, he's hearing, quote-unquote, now from who, 
whatever, I don't know. But the Jets are willing to wait out Rodgers, which seems to be the case anyways. They're kind of keeping Carr on ice. We'll see what happens with that. But goes on to talk about Rodgers and all that stuff. But it says, despite all that, the Jets are willing to wait for Rodgers to make a decision because they believe the quarterback, even at 39, gives them the best chance to not only make the playoffs, but compete for the Super Bowl. Yes, it would cost a lot, both in terms of financial and trade compensation, but the Jets view getting a quarterback of Rodgers' caliber as worth all of that, even if it also means adding the drama that follows him around. Says if Rodgers does wind up in Green Bay, the Jets would be viewed as uh, the favorite to land Carr. But then here's where it talks about, again, the the, uh, conflicting reports. Next question becomes, what team does he want to play for? The Raiders appear to have removed themselves from the running, while the Titans have said they plan to bring back Ryan Tannehill. It's shaping up as Packers, Jets, or bust for Rodgers, which is what I was saying to begin with. Now, at first you look at it and say, man, there's there's potentially a lot of options, and there are potentially a lot of options. There's a lot of teams that could go that way in terms of not really having um, a 100% clear path for quarterback, but as the reports continue to come out, it's more of, now we're going to go with this, now we're going to stick with this, now we're not really going to do that. And again, even the report of Carolina, I don't know that it makes a ton of sense. What are they going to do with Rodgers? They don't have anybody. So we know the Jets are in. There's a report Carolina is in, but I'm 50-50 on whether that's true. And then there's a report that at least four teams are interested. Now, there's a couple things with that as far as the Brandon Marshall thing. Number one, did it actually happen? And number two, just because people are calling doesn't necessarily mean they're interested in Rodgers, although I don't know why they would do that if they weren't. But it's at least worth noting that. He didn't specifically say that they were calling to say, hey, we want him, what the heck. He did make some kind of reference of tell me it's not true or whatever. I don't know. That could have been one of the guys. I have no idea. So there's a lot of conflicting things out there. I'm, I'm of the opinion that there is a strong contender in the Jets and maybe some people that are kind of lingering just to see what's going on. Because again, you don't know what's going to happen in the draft, and you're just kind of keeping all your options open. And Rodgers is an option. It doesn't mean that they're going to go all in on him. So I think the Jets want Rodgers. I think it's possible that there's another team that might be kind of, um, that that might be interested. And then there's a probably a pile of other teams that are willing to listen, but it's probably not their favorite option. Which, by the way, brings me uh, next to this article here. NFL teams are skeptical that Rodgers receives a strong return or that the Packers receive a strong return for Aaron Rodgers. According to Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer, multiple teams believe it isn't worth trading a first-round pick for Rodgers because of his contract and indecisiveness. Quote, it only takes one, but I've talked to a couple teams who think because of Rodgers' haul of nearly $60 million for 2023, Green Bay won't get a first-round pick for the future Hall of Fame quarterback. So, again, this is obviously teams that are not interested in Aaron Rodgers, and so their opinion is probably going to be lesser of Aaron Rodgers, as evidenced by the fact that they're not interested in him. But it is a fair point. 39 years old, $60 million for maybe one year? That's wild. And so, again, it's it's all over the place, and that's assuming... That he doesn't, number one, retire, or number two, come back to Green Bay, both of which are still options. I know some people think that they're not, but it doesn't matter what your opinion is. Somebody's going to tell you you're an idiot. Everybody knows he's going to retire. Everybody knows he's coming back to Green Bay, or everybody knows he's getting traded. Somebody knows something, even though nobody knows anything. Bunch of freaking know-it-alls everywhere. But it's just such an absolute insane roller coaster. On one end of the spectrum, we've got first-round pick plus, and a bunch of teams interested. On the other side, it's 
basically the Jets and nobody else, and the Packers probably aren't going to get a first-round pick for him. That's crazy. So, I mean, I'm still leaning, I don't want to say heavily, but I'm, I'm leaning toward retirement, but I, I really think Rodgers is in a tough spot. Because if, if I had to bet, I would think he'd want to come back, and I think he'd want to play for the Packers. But he's in a tough spot because I think he's aware that the Packers don't really want him back. And I don't think he's going to want to go back to a team that doesn't want him. So he's going to have to decide between, you know, I, I want to come back, I want to play football, but do I want to start over with a new team at this point in my career or should I just retire? And so again, I'm, I'm leaning retire, although obviously fingers crossed for a trade because I'd love to get some compensation. If we could get that Jets pick, Again, I don't know if we get a first-round pick for him or not, but if we could get pick 13, that's and that's assuming... You know, and, and again, I, I had somebody reach out and say, you, you keep talking about this post-June 1 thing, saying that if we trade him with a post-June 1 designation, we can't get 2023 compensation, and that's not true. Um, so I, I don't fully understand exactly how this works, but let me let me catch everybody up to speed on everything that I do know up to this point, because this is kind of convoluted. First of all, there's no such thing as a post-June 1 designation in regard to trades. It doesn't exist. Let me read this little snippet here. This is Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap uh, explaining the post-June 1 designation. He wrote this very recently. The final paragraph here, or the second from the final, whatever, says, The final thing is that there is no such thing as a post-June 1 trade designation. The Packers cannot trade Aaron Rodgers in March and declare it a post-June 1 trade to break up the salary cap charges across 2023 and 2024 league years. If Green Bay needed to split the cost, Rodgers cost more on the cap to trade than to keep, uh, they would have to find a team willing to delay processing any trade for Rodgers until June 2nd. If they trade him before that date, there's no other option but to take all the dead money in 2023. So I guess here would be my question. How do we trade Aaron Rodgers for a first-round pick, let's just say, to the Jets, take ownership of that first-round pick, but also maintain ownership of Aaron Rodgers until June 2nd? Is that a thing we can do? I mean, maybe maybe it's some kind of a technicality where we all sign off on it, but then they don't process it until June. But if they don't process it, how do we get the pick? Isn't that part of the, it's it's like if we're buying a house and there's paperwork that needs to be signed, I'm going to sign my papers. You don't sign your papers. I'll take the house and keep the money. And then on a certain date, you sign so that the money goes through. No, that it's not complete until it's complete. I can't take ownership of the house until you sign the paperwork. Everything has to be done. I mean, am I wrong about that? I don't know. I just, I can't see a scenario where that would be the case. So I could be wrong, but just to be very clear, there is no such thing as a post-June 1 trade designation, meaning the only thing we can do if we're talking about trading Rodgers post-June 1 is to actually trade him after June 1st. And unless there is some kind of technicality in which we can complete a trade, they don't process the trade but still give away a first-round pick based on the honor system, I guess. We get to use that pick, and then they process the trade and Rodgers becomes a Jet. I just can't imagine that being the case. So I'm going to maintain my belief that we will not get a 2023 pick if we spread the, the money out. Now, something else to think about, something else that hit me. Is it possible? Oh, because there's two things. Because the other thing I thought is, well, they have to trade him prior to June 1st, because he's got that $60 million hit coming. Well, 
If you switch from over the cap over to spot track, what it says here for his 2023 option bonus of $58.3 million, it says guaranteed must be exercised between March 17th and week one. So it doesn't hit on March 17th. So they can delay paying it to him. So that's not really part of the equation. I thought it was, but you can trade him post June 1 and not pay him that option. And then the other team that takes ownership will have to exercise that option after that fact. So that doesn't really play into it. However, the other thing that I'm wondering about is the Packers have been freeing up a massive amount of money lately. Now, they have to kind of do that anyways, but I feel like they're freeing up more money than is necessary. And the general thought being, you know, um, they're giving themselves a little bit of extra leeway. As Gutekunst even said, they're putting themselves in a position so that if something comes along, they'll have the ability to pounce on it. Now, they don't know what Rodgers is planning to do, but maybe part of the equation is putting themselves in a position to where if they do trade him prior to June 1st, because that's going to be more expensive. Remember, we save, like, I forget, forget how it works, but I, I want to say it's something like we save $16 million this year if we do a post-June 1 trade. We have to pay $9 million more this year if we trade him this year, but then he's off the books next year. Something like that. Maybe we're freeing a little bit of extra money so that we have $9 million more. Because here's something else to keep in mind. If the Jets are the only deal in town, do you really want to screw around and wait? Because maybe the Jets kind of get to a point, if Rodgers says, I want to be traded, and the Packers are like, I don't know, we're going to hem and haw about this thing for a couple months, maybe the Jets just say, you know what, screw this, we're just going to take Carr. So the point is, maybe they want to put themselves in a position as far as having the flexibility to, to do a handshake deal and trade Aaron Rodgers and take the compensation for this year and get the deal done while you can without saying, I'd love to, but we just can't afford to do that this year. Now, I, I don't think right now we even can really afford that, but we still have other restructures to do, including David Bakhtiari. So I think right now we have, we, well, we already have, according to Track, $17 million in cap space. If you shave off $9 million more, we're at, what, $7 million? That's not enough to sign all our draft picks and do whatever else we need to do. But with the David Bakhtiari thing, maybe? I mean, if we could save 9 then that kind of solves that problem, doesn't it? No idea what the plan with that is. All I know is, Every time we restructure somebody, we save a lot more money than I was anticipating. So I don't know, just, just some other wrinkles to throw in this uh, whole mess. Because then you start wondering, how, how does that even play out? Because I feel like I've got it all figured out in my head. Like, you know, we talked about on Packernet After Dark. We'll probably just find out all at once. Rodgers has been traded to the Jets, blah, 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 blah. But what does that mean? Do we know at that exact moment that we're taking the entire hit this year because there is no post-June 1 trade designation? Or does that mean maybe they're not going to process it? It's just a handshake deal. But if it's not going to be, that's that's sort of the next question. Like, are they going to process it prior to? And then if they decide to process it after as kind of like a, a, a cool little gesture to us so that we can spread the cap out, because what do they care? A deal's a deal. Although, another question, does that hurt them financially? I don't know. I'm getting off this. I, 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 I don't know. These are going to be things we're going to have to figure out, though, how this, how this, uh, unravels if and when this actually takes place. Anyways, why don't we take a break here? We'll come back and we'll start talking about the combine. We'll talk about the players that the Packers have met with, as well as some of the news and notes that we've got over the last couple days of the combine. Uh, the corners are actually just getting started for me right now, kind of going through the process. It has not concluded, but I can kind of give some news and notes and updates as far as uh, where they're at so far. But we'll focus more on. Um, 
the D-line prospects. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so we'll start with the Green Bay Packers stuff. Obviously, there's not a ton to report. Um, I, I believe, unless the rules have changed, last I remember, they were allowed to have 60 formal meetings, uh, their 15-minute meetings. And so, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a pretty big number. I will say, though, they have met with just about every tight end, every top tight end that uh, is imaginable. That is to say the top four. Zach Cruz wrote an article uh, over at uh, Packers Wire. It's up on Yahoo Sports. But it says, according to Tex Western of Acme Packing Company, the Packers have had a formal meeting scheduled with Oregon State tight end Luke Musgrave. A hurley, the Packers uh, already had formal meetings with Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid. The Packers also met with Notre Dame's Michael Mayer, the top tight end in the minds of some, earlier in the week in Indianapolis. It was later reported, this is not in the same article, uh, but the actual most recent report is that uh, this is also from MJ Hurley. They met with tight end Darnell Washington out of Georgia. So again, 60 visits a lot is a lot. But when you figure 7% of their visits have been used up on the top uh, four, is it four tight end prospects in the draft? That's uh, pretty significant. And again, as I mentioned, Brian Gutekunst spends an exorbitant amount of his resources on first round talent. They want to make sure they get that elite prospect correct. And again, that's a big divergence from what we saw from um, Ted Thompson, who whenever you look at the meeting trackers, it felt like none of them were first round prospects. It was always the the later round guys. If we look at this um, prospect tracker over here at Dairyland Express via Paul Brettel, here's the list that they've met with so far. Quentin Johnston, Maisie Smith, Jordan Battle, Brian Branch, J.L. Skinner, safety, uh, Rajan Wright, Christian Gonzalez, Keely Ringo, Lucas Van Ness, Eli Ricks, Jaden Reed, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, Michael Mayer, Jaron Hall, Tank Dell, Jalen Hyatt, Luke Shoemaker, and Darnell Washington. That, so the, the, the funny thing is, number one, as much as we want to pretend that this is all just random, look at the position breakdown. 
tight end, tight end, wide receiver, wide receiver, quarterback, tight end, tight end, tight end, wide receiver, wide receiver, corner, edge, corner, 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 safety, uh, safety, safety, defensive line, wide receiver. Now, obviously, there's plenty of of um, interviews that probably took place that we're not aware of. And, you know, the offensive line and running backs didn't show up until Wednesday. So maybe some of the reports are kind of a little slow, but it's Friday. All the team interview portions for every single position have been done. Offensive line and running backs have been doing it for two days. How many running backs and often guards, centers, uh, tackles and running backs were on that list? Zero. How many quarterbacks? One. How many defensive tackles? One. How many edge rushers? One. How many tight ends? Five. How many wide receivers? Five. And seven DBs, which includes uh, one, two, three, four, uh, four corners and three safeties. And then how many of these meetings are first round players as opposed to second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, undrafted free agents, which you would think you'd want to meet with, right? Why wouldn't you want to have formal meetings with those guys to make sure that you got that figured out? I don't know. I'm just saying, let's look at it. Quentin Johnston, first round, Brian Branch, Christian Gonzalez, Keely Ringo, Lucas Van Ness, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, maybe Luke Musgrave, uh, Jalen Hyatt, Darnell Washington, maybe. I mean, between first and second round, it's almost everybody on this list. By the way, I'm not complaining. I love Gutekunst's track record with making sure he gets the first round pick right, especially when you're picking at 15. Get it right. I am a little bit surprised with the number of corners, but um, certainly not upset about it. And uh, I will say, now that we're on the this subject already, I did start looking at some of the corners because, um, you know, as I've been saying for several days now, I, I think we need to start looking at them. And so I looked at the top three, uh, Witherspoon, Gonzalez, and Porter. I'm a Christian Gonzalez guy, 100,000%. I'm all in on Christian Gonzalez. Witherspoon, I'm iffy about. I'm not opposed to Witherspoon, and, and apparently he's going to be long gone. He is considered the top corner. I, I would pers- prefer Christian Gonzalez. Um, Joey Porter, I'm all the way out on, although he is somewhat intriguing. I feel like I'm watching a linebacker when I watch him play. Big, long, physical, good tackling, but his, his movement just seems weird to me unbelievably physical, which I think all that's going to happen in the NFL is he's going to get flagged on every play. I mean, all he does is he stands there, and then as soon as the the wide receiver gets there, he grabs him. He's got pretty terrible PFF grades. He has one interception in four years. Seems like he has pretty terrible hands. He's got a good amount of pass breakups, but he can't catch a football to save his life. So I am excited to see that they met with Christian Gonzalez. Um, uh, also, Brian Branch, I did see that they met with him. Considering I am kind of out on Brian Branch, I was also excited, uh, it's a little unfair to say, but somewhat excited to see. He had a pretty terrible RAS. I'm not sure if he just hasn't done the agility yet or what, but so far he has a 5.9 RAS. Six foot 190, he's an undersized guy. Ran almost a 4.6. 4.58 was his 40 time. As far as his explosion, um, good broad jump, bad vert, or, you know, not great vert. But anyways, doing lots of work on uh, the first round, tons and tons of work, lots of DBs, lots and lots of wide receivers, lots and lots of tight ends, 
And so while there's still obviously a lot of time for them to do a lot of different meetings, I have to assume they're going to start meeting with some third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round prospects um, on top of everything else. So we shall see. I'll keep up on that uh, meeting tracker. And no, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to draft anybody. But, um, you know, you can see where they're putting their energy right now. Also, before we completely get off this, two notes. Uh, Darnell Washington was asked who his three favorite tight ends were. He listed Mercedes Lewis as number two, which shouldn't come as a surprise. In addition, uh, Jerry Wolfel asked ex-Ohio State star Jackson Smith and Jigba his takeaway from his formal meeting with the Packers on Tuesday at the Combine, quote, they are definitely looking for a receiver. So the Packers made it very clear to Jackson Smith and Jigba that they're going to be drafting a wide receiver. So look, I, I, I think it's fairly clear that that's a real thing. And you could say it's smoke. You can say that it's uh, uh, not enough information or whatever. But I think when you couple all these things together, especially when you look at how the season ended, when they talked about how, you know, they're just a couple players away, they're just this, that, or the other thing away, they seem to continually blame the wide receivers and everything else. I, I think it's entirely possible that they're looking at it saying they like the guys, but they need more at that position. They need more power at at, at receiver. You look at how much they're investing in uh, interviewing them. And then you listen to Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't know exactly what was said, but he walked out of there going, oh, dude, they they freaking, they really want a wide receiver. I mean, it reminds me back the year we drafted uh, three running backs, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and somebody else. And um, I forgot who it was. It was a Badgers running back, I think, had a, uh, had a meeting with the Green Bay Packers. And um, came out of there saying something to the effect of the the Packers could the Packers are definitely going to be drafting running backs and said that they could be drafting up to three so you know be on the lookout because we might be coming for you or whatever so they just flat out told them so you know I mean we always think that they're so deceptive and everything is like 3D underwater upside down chess where they're playing all these games and they're going to leak fake information to Jackson Smith and Jigba so that he goes to the podium and says things that are fake so that everybody thinks they're doing this so that they're actually doing this is all I think that's all nonsense. We always think they're being trickier than they are. I don't think that's true. Give these guys way too much credit for their espionage. I'm, I'm ready to just accept they want a wide receiver. <laughs> um, tell you what, before we get into some of the news and notes from the prospects last couple days, I kind of want to just do a roundup, even for my own sake, just kind of where I'm at with the prospects so far, from those that I've watched at least enough to have some kind of an opinion. Again, out on all the quarterbacks. I don't like any of them. Bryce Young's size is not good. Will Levis, I, you know, accuracy and whatnot is an issue. CJ Stroud was not a fan of him when I watched him at all. And Anthony Richardson is a, uh, he's a defensive end that can throw a ball 70 yards. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, not a huge fan. Christian Gonzalez, I like a lot. Peter Skaronsky, I haven't watched a ton, but I appreciate that he is a big, physical, mauling monster. I like him. Joey Porter, I do not like at all. Quentin Johnson, I just can't get on board with, especially that early. Jordan Addison, I like, but I still struggle with, again, I don't know that he's that true number one wide receiver. Brian Branch, I've never really understood. Bijan Robinson, I like a lot, but I don't really want to draft. Uh, Broderick Jones, I like, but mostly just from the standpoint of being a big, physical, mauling guy, again. 
Michael Mayer, I like. I'm torn. Be very interested to see how he does in the combine, but I, I feel like he has all the tools. But I also just feel like he could be another, like Cole Komet. You know, pretty good blocker, pretty good receiver, but not. You know, what is his ceiling? Is is his ceiling Travis Kelsey? I have a hard time believing that. But I, I guess if you say Gronkowski, it makes a little bit more sense in terms of his ceiling. But I don't know. I don't know. I I, I like him. I feel like he's a a high floor. Guy, I just don't know what his ceiling is necessarily. Jackson Smith and Jigba, I struggle with, but I don't hate it. I'm not in love with the player. I think it's probably a pretty good fit. Smart, intelligent route runner. Probably just need that guy that's going to be able to be a consistent uh, high target guy. But again, when you're looking at pick 15, it's like you want a slot receiver with not great athletics? I, I don't know. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, I have to kind of watch a little more. Jalen Hyatt, I haven't really watched. I like him as, I like him in theory. <laughs> Dalton Kincaid, I, I, again, in theory, I love it. From what everybody says about him, I like it. I, I just, I don't get it from a watching standpoint. Nolan Smith was fantastic in the combine. I don't really care for Nolan Smith at all. To be honest, I couldn't care how fast his 40 time was, as insane as it was. His 40 time has no translation with the exception of very few situations. You know, and again, somebody will go on Twitter and find the one time he chased down a quarterback from behind, and that's cool that you can do that. That's going to happen once every 100 snaps. I care about all those other times when you're just getting stonewalled. I just, I don't know. He kind of reminds me of late stage Clay Matthews. Maybe he's peak Clay Matthews. I don't know. But the thing that I like about Rashawn Gary is he's not blockable. It's not a question of if he's going to get to the quarterback, it's when. Can he get there before the quarterback gets the ball out? And of course, that's true a lot of the time that he that he can. That's not the case with Nolan Smith. That wasn't the case with Clay. And that was my big frustration with Clay, especially later on, is he would try his one pass rush move. And if it didn't work, he was kind of just like, ah, crap, I tried. And that was it. And he was done. And it didn't matter if the quarterback was in the pocket for eight seconds. He just, he couldn't get in there. He's trying to dance around. He's trying to spin. He's trying to do this. And he just, he's not making any progress. Nolan Smith's a, a, a small guy. And, um... You know, you get to the NFL, everybody's bigger and faster at the exact same time. So what little power he had in college and what little ability he had to to use his speed, I just, I don't know, I struggle with Nolan Smith a lot. Again, I like it in theory. I love the athleticism. I love all that. And, and you know, maybe he could be the next um, Micah Parsons, you know, I don't know, but I'm, I'm not betting on that. And then other than that, uh, Darnell Washington, I like because it's hard not to. I mean, he's, he's just a, a superhuman person. I mean, he's he's Jelani Woods, but faster, I guess. I mean, you watch him block people and it's it's like, you know, when you watch kids pushing a snowball down, it's like pushing a snow, it just keeps rolling and you just kind of keep pushing it. He's just balling these guys up. It's ridiculous. And then on top of that, he's got size, he's got speed. It's just, it's, again, it's just kind of an in theory thing. I don't know if that's going to translate to anything in the NFL, but, um, it's just, it's, it feels like if he fails, the team sucks. <laughs> That's it. So I haven't put in a considerable amount of time. I mean, there's, there's plenty of other guys that I, I like to some degree or whatever. I've, I've watched uh, Kayshawn and uh, Keanu Benton and Luke Musgrave and a lot of these other guys. Pretty much all the first round guys I've watched a little bit. Osiris Torrance, um, I, it was a long time ago I watched him, but I my my biggest issue with him, if I remember correctly, 
is that he is the biggest, strongest guard you've ever seen in your life. I just worry about his ability to move, and maybe when you're that big, you don't need to move. But when you're talking pulling guards and everything else, I'd have to go back and watch. But I that was kind of the... If, if you're just a big, physical, gap-blocking, downhill kind of a football team, fine. But if you're going to tell him to get out in space and all that, I don't know that he's the guy. Could be wrong. That was my That's my recollection of how that went down. But... Um, yeah, I'm still struggling to just absolutely be head over heels for any of these guys. I, I really am uh, impressed with Christian Gonzalez in the game that I watched of him. Fortunately, had a little bit of all 22 for Gonzalez, so I got some good shots of him. And he's, I mean, if, if you had to pick of the three that I watched, which one is more of a Jair, it's 100% Christian Gonzalez. It's not even close. Just super sticky, stays on his guy, mirrors him just perfectly. The body control is great when the ball's in the air, his ability to kind of spin around and get his hand in there. It's just really impressive, as opposed to Joey Porter, who's just kind of, I mean, it seems like he's got some good speed as far as, I should look and see if he ran yet. Yeah, four four seven. it's not terrible, I guess. It seemed like he was able to catch up, but I, I, I don't know, man. He just, I don't, I don't get it. And again, his PFF grades are kind of terrible. He's never really been all that great. I shouldn't say terrible. I mean, they're good, but the point, it's like low 70s at best. I don't know. I, I can't get it, and I'm just... Uh, I'm struggling to find that guy that I just really, really, and I, I want that guy, man. And I'm struggling. It'll never be Christian Gonzalez because I don't really want a corner. <laughs> but anyways, let's look at uh, some of the top performers uh, so far. No 10 RASs yet, but the highest right now is a 998 by Jack Campbell, linebacker out of Iowa. As far as potential first-round prospects, the highest RAS grade is Lucas Van Ness, also out of Iowa, with a 978 RAS. He is six foot five, runs a four five eight, had a seven point oh two three cone, which is more important than like you know everybody's enamored with the forty time, but really you care about well explosion, but also the three cone. And he had a basically a nine out of ten for his three cone, and his short shuttle was a eight point three four out of ten. It was a four three two shuttle. Another really good grade for a potential first round prospect for the Packers is Brian Brzee, defensive tackle. Um, smaller dude at six foot five, he weighs in at 298, which isn't necessarily a problem, but um, at a 486 40 yard dash time, which is a 958 out of 10. Elite speed is where he was great at. Nolan Smith, I'd already mentioned, he's at a 92. Seems ridiculous for a pass rusher to run a 439, which is a 9.99 on the speed scale out of 10. Elite speed also had elite explosion. 41 and a half vert, which I think was, I don't know if they said he broke a record or what, but um, then his broad jump, also elite. The, the, the only reason why he wasn't higher is because he's a small dude. He's six foot two, 238 pounds. Now, if he was an inside linebacker, his RAS score would be a 998 because he's built like an inside linebacker. But anyways, a couple quick hitters here uh, from the Combine. Kalijah Kansi runs the fastest 40 by a defensive tackle at the Combine since 2000, running a 4.67 40-yard dash. Um, apparently, he's from Pitt, so obviously there's some comparisons being made to Aaron Donald, which is not super uncommon to find constant almost every year, maybe every other year, comparisons to Aaron Donald. It is pretty impressive. And we'll see what happens to his draft stock after this, but we're looking at a guy that's currently an early second-round prospect. And again, 40 time doesn't super translate 
to what defensive tackles have to do. Not that it's, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything because it translates to overall athleticism, but super athletic, super impressive. Uh, again, Brian Brzee, really impressive. Ran a sub 540 at a 493, running at 6'5, 298. Talked about Nolan Smith's uh, 41 and a half inch vert. Another really impressive showing, uh, Northwestern's defensive tackle, Ade Tumiwa Adeboare, currently number 96 on Dane Brugler's top 100 list, but at 280 pounds, he ran a 4.54, which, I mean, this is really just getting to be insane. And I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's awesome. I love that the NFL is getting bigger, faster, stronger. But good Lord, man. I mean, again, you look at Darnell Washington. This guy is bigger than just about any tight end that you've ever seen. And he's running what 10, 15 years ago, he would have been one of the more faster athletic tight ends. And I mean, it's just stupid. I mean, again, there was a time when like a 4-4-2 was fast for wide receivers. Now we've got edge rushers running 4-3-9. 4-5-4 is like what Devontae ran. This guy's a 280-pound defensive tackle running Devontae Adams speed. It's unfreaking believable. What kind of freakish human beings are entering the NFL these days? Call them uh, Ade Ade. Six foot one and a half, 282 pounds, just ran a blazing 454 second 40 yard dash. Super explosive dude who put up crazy workout numbers last offseason and is backing them up already at the combine. And then so far today, for me, anyways, uh, Dante Banks having a great day at corner. Maryland cornerback, six foot 197, had a 42 inch vert. 11 foot, four inch uh, broad jump and a 4.36 40-yard dash. I believe that was one of the guys the Packers have met with already. Christian Gonzalez running his 4.44, which is, I mean, it's still phenomenal speed. I think anytime you find a guy that is just a um, incredibly talented, gifted corner, as long as they're not running like 4.55 or something, 4.44 is plenty of speed in the NFL. Michigan cornerback DJ Turner ran a 4.27 40-yard dash. I think we're getting to the point now where if you're a corner or a wide receiver, fast is four twos. Four threes is like quick. <laughs> it's you're 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 pretty uh you got some speed there, youngin. It's not true. I'm just saying it's it's getting to be kind of absurd. Uh he also had a 38 and a half inch vert and a 10 foot eleven inch broad jump. Joey Porter already talked about. By the way, um I watched an interview of Joey Joey Porter. Seems like a really good dude. I mean, that, that was the reason I started watching the corners is I saw his interview and I thought, I really like this guy. I feel like he could be a great fit in the Packers locker room. Uh, if anything, he was almost like too nice. But then they even talked about it in the interview. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like my mom off the field, like super nice, friendly or whatever. And then when I get on the field, I'm more like my dad. His dad, by the way, former Pittsburgh Steelers football player. But he said he's got that that attitude and that edge. Plus, he's sitting there in this chair, and it, he, I swear he looks like Miles Garrett. That's that that was my first thought when I saw him on the field was Miles Garrett, and I also saw, thought that when he was sitting in a chair because he's wearing a relatively loose fitting shirt, and I swear his shoulders and his biceps look like they're going to rip through this shirt. I mean, the, the guy just looks, which is probably part of the reason, and maybe it was just kind of a weird. I, I don't know, but I, I was just looking at him like, what the heck is this? Dude is big. So I like Joey Porter Jr. I, I just, I don't get it. But he seems like a great guy. I'm guessing he's going to be a great fit in somebody's locker room. Kind of just hope it's not the Packers. And then finally, just a couple random notes. Again, one of the benefits of the combine is you got reporters and whatnot that are there and they're just, they're just talking. 
and everybody's talking about what everybody's talking about. So here are the quick hitting notes so far. Patriots quarterback Mac Jones is expected to be the team starter next season, but backup Bailey Zappi will have a chance to push him again. Just kind of highlighting that the they're, they're not in the quarterback market. Um, again, quarterback needy teams are on hold at the moment waiting for the Aaron Rodgers decision. And this was written by somebody else. So, so again, it kind of kind of gives a picture of more than one team being at least somewhat interested. They're not sure what they want to do because they're not sure what Aaron Rodgers is doing. Uh, Baker Mayfield's best option for finding a starting position might be returning to the Rams or joining the 49ers or Broncos. 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy is expected to have elbow surgery next week, which could put 2021 first-round pick Trey Lance in line to start the opener for the second consecutive season. I can't wait for that. Hopefully they stick with him this time so that the 49ers can suck for once. The Browns could restructure quarterback Deshaun Watson's contract this offseason to reduce his cap hit. Watson's cap hit is $54.9 million for each season from 2023 to 2025. Good Lord. But anyways, that's all I got so far. I got to get back and find out what new has been going on, get a little bit more details about the DBs, and then uh, get some information tomorrow uh, for the, the tight ends and whatnot, which would be a lot of fun. But anyways, you guys have yourselves a great rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.